everybody and welcome to the deadhead cannabis show this is jim marty reporting from sunny beautiful september colorado and um i've got my partner up in chicago land larry mishkin how are you doing jim i'm doing just great uh we're actually uh in the midst here of a kind of uh break in the action weather-wise and the the humidity that had been here forever has broken uh, the temperature is in the mid to upper 70s. Uh, we're eating outside, and uh, it's nice to be able to get out of the house and turn off the air conditioning for a little while. So we're very happy about that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, it, it, it's life as normal in Illinois, which for the most part is good. Um, but I hate to make this a constant theme on our show, but I just don't know what else to do because they're not giving me any choice here. The latest from uh, the Illinois Department of Professional Responsibility, uh, uh, Illinois Department of uh, IDFPR, Financial and Professional Regulation, who monitors the dispensaries, has told us that they think now they're going to announce the winners of the 75 dispensary licenses on September 19th. It's a Saturday. Uh, you know, it's uh, still over two weeks from now. Um, and although I hate to say I don't believe them, uh, this would not be the first date that they've blown off in terms of making the announcement. The Illinois Department of Agriculture took it a step further and said that they are not going to announce the winners of the Kraft Grow and the uh, uh, production licenses until the beginning of the year. Well, actually, I should say that has not been confirmed. That's the date that those of us who keep track of these things keep hearing. The Department of Agriculture hasn't made an official statement about anything yet, um, but they're not denying it either. So they're not coming out and telling us it's going to be any sooner. We're all a little confused by that because it's wonderful they're going to have more dispensaries, but if they don't have more product for those dispensaries to sell, I don't know what's going to happen. That is an issue nationwide, it seems, <clears throat> that uh, shortage is everywhere. So, well, we'll um, see. It's a, uh, it's a big week here in, uh, in Chicago, and um, uh, on this show, you know, we're not here necessarily to, to – to, to plug any one business over another, unless they're a sponsor, and we'd love to have sponsors on our show. Um, however, there is a group here in Illinois called Greenhouse uh, that was an original uh, Illinois medical uh, licensee and uh, has expanded to a few licenses here in Illinois on the medical side and on the adult use side. Uh, they had a number uh, of other licenses around the country. They recently sold to Curaleaf for a very staggering figure of just under a billion dollars. Um, but they're still here operating under the name Greenhouse, and they are getting ready to open tomorrow what will be the largest adult-use dispensary in the state of Illinois in an old bank building that happens to be about a mile and a half from my house. Nice. Uh, and I've, I've been driving by it every day on my way to and from work and just monitoring the progress of it. And they've taken this old bank building, added a nice little touch to it, and they're going to open up. Uh, and they're having the Belushi brothers, or at least... Uh, John, no, Jim Belushi and Jim I think Belushi, yeah. coming 
to the opening because they're going to be at least what I can tell the exclusive Illinois uh, distributor of the Belushi brothers line of, um, uh, of, of, of marijuana. So uh, it's going to be a big thing. Uh, everybody's really excited and I'm torn between the idea of wanting to be there and really watch all of this go down. And uh, you know, knowing that it's going to be a madhouse over there, everybody on the North shore of Chicago uh, has been tuned into this and there's going to be a lot of people. Everybody wants to get over there and see this happen. Uh, it's going to be great, except it's going to put a tremendous strain on the supply. So we really, really need those cultivators. We sure do. It all wraps around cultivation. Do you know, um, downtown dispensaries have been able to reopen since the protesting and rioting? Yeah, most of them have reopened. A lot of them have reopened in a uh, by appointment only type fashion. You know, you call, you tell them what you want, they get it ready and tell you what time to be there. You park your car. The adult use dispensaries did not get curbside privileges like the medical dispensaries do. Medical, I call, I pull my car up in the parking lot, they come running right out, I give them my money, they give me what I want, and we all go on. Uh, for adult use, you have to park and you have to go in, but in order to control the number of people and at any one time, they'll only let you in if you're there during your designated uh, uh, appointment window. Um, uh -huh. But, you know, based on the numbers that we were talking about last week, uh, over $60 million in the month of uh, uh, June, uh, you know, excuse me, July, uh, and over a million products sold, they are well on their way to... Uh, uh, success, it looks like, across the board on the adult use side for right now. And um, I'm sure the medical people are all very happy because the market all belongs to them at the moment. And until, yes. the, state, until the state makes this announcement and these people go to everything they have to do to get up and running, which has got to be, what, another six months at least, Jim, I would think. It's going to take a while. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a while. And uh, although I will say that my medical dispensary – uh, over the last couple of weeks, has had a, a significant increase in supply and variety, which has been very nice. So I'm happy about that. Um, at, uh, at the medical dispensary, prices are holding steady. Um, if anything, they're trying to creep up a little bit, but I, I resist and just stay with their basic price, which is uh, 60 for an eighth of flour uh, or 60 for a gram of extract. Yeah. Um, for, the, for the higher end stuff, they're going to 65 and 70. And for some of the extracts, they're trying to go up to as much as 80 and 85 a gram. But that's just too expensive for my taste. Yes, that's similar to the prices I saw in Massachusetts and Maryland last week, about $20 a gram. So, Which, uh, which is amazing. What's a gram go for in Colorado these days? Well, our prices are, are coming up strongly. Uh, a year ago, we had oversupply where pounds were 800, uh, over 2,000 and approaching 3,000 for uh, top shelf. Wow. Okay. Now, that hasn't trickled down to the dispensary level yet, but I imagine we'll see prices that increase there at, at some point. So, <clears throat> working with some East Coast, <coughs> excuse me, working with some East Coast um, retail only, very difficult because um, it's a somewhat competitive market. Shortage of supply, though. So their wholesale prices are approaching 4000 a pound. Um, so when you pay your rent and your labor and you can't deduct those, it makes it very difficult for someone who's retail only to show a profit after taxes. Very much so. And, uh, you know, we will see how things go here. We're all keeping our fingers crossed and and hoping for the best. But something else, Jim, that, that's, that's kind of happened and, 
I hate to say it this way, but it's kind of the same sneaky fashion in which they have operated in the past. Uh, just a week or two ago, the DEA came out with what they're calling an interim final rule that relates to hemp and seeks again to find a way to criminalize that which the 2018 Farm Bill unequivocally makes legal. Yes. I've um, got a client here in Colorado who's producing Delta 8, which is, I think, what you're talking about. And that's certainly uh, one of the things I am. Yes, you're right. We have a product that's legally hemp, but it does have a slight high to it. Right. Well, with Delta 8, not unlike uh, THCA, which in their dormant states uh, don't uh, cause any type of uh, psychoactive effect. If you ate them uh, in, a, in, a, in an edible, they wouldn't really do anything. But if you smoke them, if they, if they burn, then in the process of burning, they do give off uh, a, a psychoactive effect. But here's the thing. Delta-8 is a naturally occurring cannabinoid in hemp. And the 2018 Farm Bill says that hemp and all of its naturally occurring cannabinoids, including but limited to cannabidiol, CBD, are no longer controlled substances. They are legal. So Delta-8 under the Farm Bill is legal. The DEA is trying to take that and say, well, because when you put fire to it and you combust it, it creates a psychoactive effect. At that point, uh, we can go in and say that the THC level has exceeded the 0.3% threshold. And we interpret that to mean when they say CBD and all of its constituent cannabinoids, so long as all of them tested 0.3% or less in whatever form you have them, not even just, but again, right, the, the, the 2018 Farm Bill talks about dry weight. It doesn't talk about what happens when it's burning. So we're, we're getting a little push, but that's not the only thing. Uh, for a long, long time, uh, my hemp clients, and I would imagine most around the country, have grappled with the problem of how do I transport large quantities of hemp oil, uh, cannabinoid, CBD oil that's been extracted from a hemp plant. And it's been extracted from a hemp plant that tests legal at 0.3%, and the oil tests at 0.3%, but when it's all put in a big tanker truck and it's concentrated, the THC level can spike above 0.3%. And for a long time, uh, we've been telling our clients, look, we say it's still legal because it's product and process. It's not going to be sold in its concentrated form. When it's sold, ultimately, on the, uh, the end to the producer, the producer's taken and they dilute it when they make their products so that any one of their products will never <clears throat> test above 0.3% for THC with their CBD-infused products. Um, the DEA has now, again, because of this rule where they suggest that the 0.3% is a hard, fast rule that applies to any of the constituent cannabinoids, um, basically what they're telling us, or at least the concern is, that if you're transporting, and even if you have certificates declaring that this is merely a, a product that's still in distribution, uh, in, not in distribution, in manufacture, uh, it's still in process, it's not completed yet, and we tell all of our clients to make sure that their drivers have certified documents that show that the hemp that it came from was certified as industrial hemp, 0.3% or less, that the oil that was extracted tested at 0.3% or less, that the products into which it's going to be made all test out at 0.3% or less, so they will, 
based on the way they've been made in the past. And, um, and that we even say that, you know, in, during shipment, it may concentrate, but this is product that's in shipment. It's in process. It's not for final sale in this form. Have it all laid out. We even sometimes give them copies of the 2018 Farm Bill and the Industrial Hemp Act of whatever state they're driving through, and still we run into problems. Um, and this is just going to make it worse. Yeah, I imagine there'll be a test case or two coming down the pike. I imagine there will. And, um, you know, it'll be a great opportunity uh, to get back in front of a court of law and really have an opportunity to point things out. Not unlike the Hoban Law uh, Group did uh, a few years ago when the DEA issued that interim final rule uh, where they were trying to give CBD its own controlled substances number. And uh, and Bob and Garrett Graff and uh, Patrick Goggin and maybe David Bush and a few of the other uh, hemp heads over there who were really the leaders of the hemp group uh, went in representing the HIA and a few other groups and uh, and fought a, a good battle with the uh, with the Ninth Circuit and got it to recognize that the 2018 Farm Bill in its language superseded any of this other stuff. So even based on that holding, I would say that the DEA is going to have a tough time uh, with these rules, and it, it may take legislative change uh, before they can uh, really do something about it, which isn't to say that they won't try to do something about it, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. <clears throat> and um, some other things that are going on um, politically, um, some of my cannabis industry folks are upset that DNC or the Republican conventions raise the word marijuana. Well, Jim, you know, it's funny, touched upon that very briefly last week. And where I come out on that is really simple. I could not be more disappointed if I tried. You know, both parties, certainly in the House of Representatives, talk a very good game. And you and I have had many discussions about how both Republicans and Democrats, especially those from states that have adult use in medical programs, always talk very, to be very supportive of, uh, of marijuana. Um, the country is overwhelmingly in favor of marijuana. It should no longer be considered a third rail topic in politics. And for at least one of the parties, you know, I thought for sure the Democrats would do it when they didn't. I thought, wow, what a great opportunity for the Republicans to score some points. And they didn't either. And I'm just wondering, you know, whether they feel it's somehow inconsistent with, you know, you know, Trump's law and order approach. But to me, if it's legal, it fits right in. You're not breaking the law. And uh, it, it, it would be uh, it would be great to see either party uh, take a proactive position on it. And it just makes you wonder how long is it going to be before until a politician on the national stage feels comfortable enough to make it an issue and, and, and really push the point. True. Um, from my point of view, I don't mind being under and the fact that they're not talking about us in a negative way is a good thing. So, yeah. well, I don't disagree with that. And I, and I think that we've, we've, we've touched on that as well, that the minute that the federal government gives the green light, big business is going to come rolling in and it most likely will not be business as usual for a lot of the small operators. Um, and it causes the industry to lose, you know, a part of its personality that, that at least right now, for those of us that are deeply embedded in it and work with these people who, who make up the industry, we recognize how unique so many of these people are uh, 
and, and that it's not just their final product that makes them successful at what they do, uh, but it's who they are and the level of commitment and participation that they show to the communities that they're in. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of these things, which, you know, quite frankly, big companies just don't do, and they certainly don't do in the same way. Um, and setting aside whether, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, four or five or six, you know, large multinational uh, enterprises can step in and give us all the really good marijuana we want at a reasonable price. There's a lot lost in that process and that shouldn't be overlooked. Yes, I agree with all that. So we'll see. Well, um, we should probably talk about some music. Yes, sir. What do you got? Well, I'll tell you, you and I are going to have to go back and look this over because I just don't think we're paying Dan Humiston enough, man. He comes up with some of the greatest stuff. I, I'd like to think of myself as a guy who spends time on the Internet, you know, just kind of meandering about, always looking for interesting stories, and he keeps coming up with them. Uh, and last week he found the story for us about Miles Davis opening for the Grateful Dead, which is still a great thing, and I can't believe they didn't play even one song together, at least that we know about. But this week, uh, Dan came up with an article by a guy named Jack Watley, who I've never heard of, in a publication called Far Out. And the article lists Jerry Garcia's 10 favorite guitarists of all time. Now, what I like about this is we typically talk about who are the 10 greatest guitarists in rock and roll history, and then we all argue about whether Garcia belongs in the top 10 or not. In this instance, this is Jerry's top 10. Um, you know, regardless of where you where you think of him and whether he's number one or zero on your list. Uh, and, and what's amazing about it is, I guess it's not really amazing. It's just as eclectic and far out there, at least for me, as I would have imagined. Right. And and while it's 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 stacked with fan favorites, you know, such as uh, Steve Kimmock and Carlos Santana and Robbie Robertson, uh, and even, you know, uh, Richard Charleston, if you want to say from the, or excuse me, Richard Thompson from the Fairport Convention, uh, a late 60s British rock band that um, I remember listening to uh, back in the day. Uh, we're talking about guys like uh, Django Reinhardt, whom Garcia back in 77 said was the model guitarist for him, for Garcia. Uh I'm not familiar with Django Reinhardt, but I will be soon. Uh, another one is a, is a guitarist named Roy Buchanan, uh, who became, uh, Garcia became a fan of his after seeing a documentary called The World's Greatest Unknown Guitar Player, uh, saying that this guy Buchanan is probably the most original country-style rock and roll guitar player with amazing chops. Um, then Don Rich and Roy Nichols, who was Merle Haggard's lead guitarist, uh, he loves both of them. Richard Thompson, we said, from Fairport Convention. Uh, Charlie Christian, uh, who they say is the man being credited with being the first guitarist to actually hang in with the horn section. Um, Garcia talks about uh, Christian's incredible mind and relentless flow of ideas, uh, which, quite frankly, to me, it sounds a lot like Garcia in the middle of a good jam. And then... Uh, the one foundational guitarist Garcia said he needed to hear when he was starting out was a guy named Robert Johnson. Um, and after being questioned about how good he was, Garcia said 
uh, he was a primitive genius. Again, a term I think might apply to uh, to Garcia. But I love that. And I'm going out now, Jim, and I'm going to start buying the music or downloading the music to listen to some of these guys. Because if they influence the guy who I think is one of the greatest guitarists, it's probably not a bad idea for me to start listening to that. And it's always been a great way for me to get introduced to other uh, artists who I might not ever otherwise have gravitated to on my own. But the dead played him, so I decided to check him out. Yes, I've uh, listened to some Roy Buchanan. He's great. Um, love some of his stuff. And then the surprise on that list to me is Robbie Roberts. I never really thought of him as a strong guitar player, more of a uh, vocalist for the band. Yeah, th that's true. Um, Garcia said about him, he said, uh, the kind of stuff that Robertson plays and the music is like a punctuation and structural. He's an extremely subtle and refined guitar player. That's the way I think of him. I really admire him. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. There That's you go. Quite a list. <clears throat> well, on other positive, well, we're not going to have our fish shows at Dick's uh, soccer arena, soccer stadium this weekend. Uh, first time I'll have missed that in 11 years. Right. No, that's a, that's a big loss for that part of the world and for fish heads everywhere. And yes, here, like pretty open schedule this three day weekend. Um, was it gonna, uh, we are getting shows now in Colorado. Um, here, let me just jump in really fast because we're talking about dicks. And I think, you know, I've been mentioning for a while that this coming weekend was dicks, but it's also my son's was supposed to be my son's wedding weekend. My oldest son, Matthew, uh, was supposed to get married to his fiance, Elena, this Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, coming Sunday down in Atlanta. Um, and for he and his whole tight buddy of friends who are all huge fish heads, it's the tough choice. Do we come to Matthew and Elena's wedding or do we go out to Dick's? So the pandemic swooped in and we realized we were going to have to postpone the wedding. And they all thought, well, this is great because if, if they play at Dick's, but no, of course, fish canceled that too. So they've lost both. And in a touching bit of irony, uh, the wedding has now been rescheduled for next year on Labor Day. Again, just kicking the can down the road. Uh, and, and, and I know a lot of these guys and and I'm sure they'll wind up at the wedding because that's the kind of guys they are and we'll probably live stream some of the shows. But uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, just a question of timing there. So quick shout out to my son and his fiance. We'll see you in a year, guys. Hang in there. Well, there's always Vegas. That's true. I, I, I offered that. We go out to a quick thing in Vegas. That could work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, our son is in a serious relationship, and I joke with them, the car and go to Vegas. But uh, on a bright note, though, we are getting shows. I went to my first show in several months last Saturday night in my hometown of Longmont. Um, they used to have a turkey factory where they would process, kill thousands of turkeys every day. Uh, mm -hmm. Right at first in Maine and Longmont, and it's been all converted into an apartment building with a swimming pool. And they've kept some of the structures from the turkey factory. And so there's a big concrete um, shell, if you will, a ceiling held up by concrete pillars that holds probably, you can probably put a couple hundred people underneath that roof. Mm -hmm. at one end and all party lights and uh, a band called Peak to Peak, a very good Grateful Dead tribute band, did full sets first show in several months and uh our younger son jack is playing in a gig this saturday night in denver so that's wonderful yep there's definitely shows starting to bounce back in this area and uh in fact i finally have a show to look forward to 
uh, in about three weeks, uh, my wife and I are going with another couple uh, to go see Trampled by Turtles, uh, which is a band that has been widely recommended to me, both by my good friend, uh, deadhead buddy and father of our uh, uh, newest employee, Max Wellens. His father, Alex Wellens, uh, has been recommending Trampled by Turtles. My son, Matthew, is a big fan of them. And so we are going to go out to a drive-in a uh, little bit outside of uh, town here and go see Trampled by Turtles. Uh, I'm very excited to do that and uh, be able to report back both on the live concert experience as well as the band itself. Very good. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, boy, the people were so hungry for it. The place was packed. Uh, social distancing, you know, where the waiters and waitresses, you'd have to order your beer on your phone and they'd bring you right to your table. So a lot okay. of and social distancing. But it was so good to have a show. In fact, at the same venue, this coming Saturday night, a band called Dead Fish Orchestra, who exactly what you would expect, Fish, Grateful Dead songs, <clears throat> tribute band. Nice. They've actually uh, played, they were supposed to play in my backyard at our son's um, graduation party in May this year, mm. but that didn't happen. Right. But right. in the past, they played in my backyard a couple of times at some graduation parties, nice. birthday parties. And um, this is how hungry people are for shows. This is a, a tribute band, if you will. Um, the tickets are $35 and they've sold out. <laughs> if you can believe that for a tribute band selling out a venue, probably three, 400 people. Well, I will tell you that uh, when I was in law school at the University of Missouri, there was a, a dead cover band from the St. Louis area um, that I had started seeing uh, later in my life in terms of my college years and everything. But then when I was at law school down in Columbia, they would come down and play down there too. And their name was Jake's leg. And uh, I have to say that they were, you know, really, really good cover band, great enthusiasm, played sure. the music really well, sang it all. And they would draw huge, huge crowds uh, for, for a state that was so starving for the grateful dead. Um, they had played there in the summer of 82. They were supposed to play there in 86. And then Jerry had his coma. And then they didn't make it back until the early 90s and played there a couple of years before it all came to an end. But, uh, you know, this this band, Jake's Lake, they would announce that they were playing and everybody would run over to the bar. There'd be a line around the block. It was it was great to see. Yes, it is. Great to be back. I've heard of Jake's Lake. Um, are they still around? Yeah, you know, I do hear about them playing every now and then. I don't believe they play quite as frequently as they used to. Um, but as far as I know, they, they still do play occasionally. Yes. All right. Well, I see we're coming to the end of our time slot. I think I have for this week. Yeah, I think that's a lot to cover for one week and, uh, hopefully, you know, by our next show, we'll have, uh, good news on, uh, anything out of Illinois that lets us know that we're going forward. Um, but if not, we always have plenty of other things to talk about that are positive and upbeat. Very good. So this is Jim Marty from Bridge West signing out from beautiful Denver, Colorado. Um, please visit our website. And um, Larry? Jim, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, enjoy uh, your outdoor dining there. Enjoy the lovely weather. Uh, to all of our listeners, stay well, be good, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.